Blessed be his name. Thank you, Lord God. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Isaiah 41. It's going to be our main text when we finally get to it. But actually, first turn to uh, Galatians chapter 3, but we'll get there in a little bit. I have been, every time I think I'm done with this kingdom of God, the practicality of the kingdom of God, the Lord just says, wait a minute, here's another thought. So uh, I appreciate that, appreciate his uh, divine interruptions and changing of courses. Hallelujah. Amen. The kingdom of God is not some imaginary way off in the future and by the natural mind so unattainable. With unrealistic concepts that are governed by the unreachable principles of godly righteousness. To the natural mind, the kingdom of God is some sort of fantasy. To the natural mind. Unattainable. How can man put on the righteousness of God? The natural man can't happen. But the reality is, it's not up to the natural man. It's up to the Spirit of God. And he's the one that says, be clothed with my righteousness. Put on my righteousness. And anything he says is a command. And with that command comes the ability to do exactly what he said. Comes with the grace, the divine enablement to do what he's required. How many are glad that he just doesn't require stuff and say, just figure it out yourself. With his requirement, he gives instructions. Let's just continue here, please. The kingdom of God is a present-day reality, and it has its own rewards. Now, Sister Glidell mentioned our, uh, we won't be here next week. We will be going and attending Brother Steve's wedding in Branson, Missouri. And then uh, we'll be going uh, to Springfield Sunday morning to minister in the church there. It used to be Brother Britton's church. Now it's Brother Dave Tice's church, Lil and Dave Tice. Uh, Lil grew up in this church under my dad's ministry and her mom and uh, two sisters 
uh, grew up at Grace Emanuel. And um, it'd be good to see them again. Haven't seen them in a long time. Well, the last time we saw them, uh, I think Clark was graduating from college. That was many moons ago. Mm, many moons ago. And you can tell them I said so. But anyway. The kingdom of God is a now reality. See, the religious world puts the kingdom of God off to eternity after the Lord Jesus comes. But the reality is the kingdom of God is a now thing. It's here and now. And I go by the authority by hmm, the Lord himself. It says, and saying, and as Jesus is saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. Excuse me, Mark, Mark 1.15, I'm in, just in my notes, I'm sorry. Repent and believe, to be persuaded of, to commit unto, believe in the gospel. Are we committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ? And by the way, that's not just the gospel of salvation. It's the gospel of overcoming. That's why in the seven churches, we, every church is ended with a to him that overcometh qualification. I think if he repeats something seven times, I think he means it. I think that's a requirement for him, uh, from him. Well, but everything by two or three witnesses. Well, seven, which is the number of completeness, means it's a complete thought and a complete requirement not to be ignored. The kingdom of God is at hand, it's now. See, if it was at hand when Jesus was here, that kind of makes me think it's at here now because the king was there. So in some respects, the king was there, so his kingdom is there. But the reality is when he went back to sit at the right hand of the father in a position of authority, he said, I'll send my spirit. I'll send the Holy Spirit. Christ means anointed one. And where the Holy Spirit is, so is the Spirit of Christ. So all reality, Jesus never left the planet. Well, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I'm glad he doesn't just leave us to fend for ourselves. That would be a problem. That would be a big problem. Let's continue here. But again, it, are you persuaded? Are you confident in your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you confident on who he is? Are you confident in who and what he will do in and through you? Or are we just, well, I'm not good enough and... Somebody else will take care of it, and uh, that's not really for me. It doesn't have my name there. 
Well, anything he has said, he has said to personally to us. The only one that tries to tell you you don't qualify is the enemy. And let me just make a choice here. Whose report you're going to believe? I believe the report of the Lord. I believe what he said over me. I believe that what he said is, is being and will be completed functioning within me. We're work in progress, I understand that. But the key word is progress. Don't accept yourself. All of us, we could think, you know, maybe a year or two, whatever back, and we're different than we are right now. Anybody agree with that? Who made the difference? Well, he doesn't leave us where he finds us. I'm glad of that. Blessed be his name. So I have confidence. I'm persuaded that his word will do exactly what he says it's going, he's going, it's going to do. We have it written. It is written. Continue here, please. The kingdom of God is based on holiness. First Peter 1.15 but as he which has called us, called us by name, it means also means to call out loud, called us by name, hath called you is holy. The one who called you is holy. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation, in manner of life, in behavior. But it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. Again, that part of be ye holy, that is a command. That's an imperative. There's no discussion. I learned in basic training, you didn't discuss things with the drill sergeant. There was no discussion. You just did what he said. You didn't say why. How come? I learned that in a hurry. And you don't give him the answer unless you think you know what his answer is to be. He wants a particular answer. If you don't give him that, you'll pay for that too. Well, you laugh. I've lived it. It is not funny. But basic training was for one purpose, for you to fall into the line so when you hear a command, you do it. Not thinking about it, you just do it. Well, our great high drill sergeant says, do things, and we sit there and consider it. Hmm. Does he really mean that? or Let me look it up in the Greek or the Hebrew. Make sure I understand what he's saying. And let me contemplate it for a while. That didn't work in basic training. And listen to me. We're still in basic training. 
We're learning how to obey him without question. I won't ask you if you have questioned his commands. I'm not sure that's what he meant. And the one that's causing you to have doubts and clouds about it is not the Lord, not the Holy Spirit. It's another spirit. It's a, if you will, it's a lying spirit. Well, thank you, Lord God. In all your manner and your conversation and your behavior, is our behavior holy? Oh, pastor, you can't be holy all the time. Let me see, what did it say there? Be ye holy, for I'm holy. That sounds like it's supposed to be all the time. Am I misinterpreting that? He didn't say, be holy every day but Thursday. Thursday, you can do what you want. Or Saturday. Well, it says, be ye holy. I think that covers all the days of the week. The kingdom of God is a family. Now, now Isaiah 41. Verse, starting at verse 8. But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham. Now just keep your finger there and then now go to Galatians chapter 3. I love the fact that God tells you something and then he allows his word to explain what he means. He doesn't leave us hanging out on a limb somehow trying to figure out what, he's, what he means. It's the glory of the king to search out the mysteries. If we're to be kings and priests unto God, there's some mysteries we're going to have to search out. Okay, Galatians chapter 3, starting at verse 26. Out of the New King James, it says, For you are all sons, that's the word huos, Greek word huos, which means mature sons. You're all sons of God through faith, that's the word dia, where we get diameter. If you picture a circle, the diameter doesn't go halfway through. That's a radius. Di diameter goes all the way through. So what he's saying is that we are, uh, you're all sons of God through what? Faith. You can't have partial faith. You must continue to have faith in him in whatever he says. See, that's our problem sometimes. We get into a situation where we have to have faith that God's going to do it. But then we start reasoning. What if? Anybody ever done that? Well, don't show me your hands. 
God has very explicitly said to do something, and we're all gung-ho, and then a week goes by, and nothing happens, and another week goes by, and nothing happens, and then we start saying, well, maybe I should, or if, maybe, I know what he said, but I think this is what he means. Anybody done that exercise? What he says, he means, and he means what he says. None of his words are casual. Just casually said something. For you are all sons of God through faith, continuing on and through faith to the extremes in Christ Jesus. That word in is at rest in. So we're all the sons of God, continuing all the way through faith and being at rest in Christ Jesus. That sounds like a plan. Amen? Amen? Verse 24 of the Amplified. <coughs> Excuse me. For as many of you that were baptized into Christ, into a spiritual union and, <coughs> excuse me, and communion with Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah, just in case you don't know who he's talking about, have put on or clothe yourself with Christ. Now, that particular, uh, in the King James, it says, put on Christ, without getting too technical about it. But it's, it's a uh, inceptive eris, which means an action having been certain, from a certain point and continuing. So we, he says, and it's reflexive, which means we have to do it, and it's indicative, meaning it's a fact. Okay? So what he's saying is, in fact, that uh, the new, uh, 20th century New Testament and the Amplified both say it, clove yourself with. We begin in the waters of baptism to begin to clothe ourselves with him, but it's a continual process. We have to put off the old and put on the new. Have to put off the old nature and put on the new nature. Thank you, Lord. See, even in the waters of baptism, there is, when we're cut off from our old nature, there's still old nature thinking in our heads. That's why Paul said in Romans that, you know, put you, uh, don't let the world around you, quoting the, the Phillips, squeeze you into its mold. I'm getting my head of myself, but that's what the world's trying to do. Continue to keep you thinking the same way it thinks. Because when you don't think the way it thinks, you become ridiculed. You become a target. Well, he doesn't believe in that. 
Well, I don't believe in that because the Word of God doesn't believe in that. They want to go with what the world thinks, which is wrong. I hate to break this to you, but every worldly fad is based in sin or rebellion from God. We just dress it up, and uh, the world just dresses it up and says, that, that's not really sin, it just feels good. You, if it feels good, we, we went through it in the, in the 60s, if it feels good, do it. I know most of you, a good part of you, well, some of you remember that. But you young kids don't remember going through that sort of stuff. But see, yeah, and that mentality and propagating of that has given us all the mess that we're in right now. Where marriage is not between a man and a woman, where you get to choose what bathroom you want to use, whatever you feel like that day. You can go use whatever dressing room you want. This is all because there's no absolutes. That's what the th whole thing is. The world says there's no absolutes. Absolutely no absolutes. Yes. It's the truth. Whatever you want to do is okay. There was, I forget who it was now, and I'm glad I don't remember, but there was a, a theology that said, uh, you're okay and I'm okay. You're okay as long as you agree with what I'm doing, but if you don't agree with what I'm doing, you're not so okay. Which kind of was confusing. But the reality is, the only standard we have is his holiness and his righteousness. That's in his word. It is written. We are part of the family of God. Verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. I love the fact that in the body of Christ, there's really no ethnicity. Because we're all from one seed, Abraham's seed. And, well, and the Bible also says there's no male or female. In God's eyes, we're his creation, and we're all one with him if we allow ourselves to be. There's the question. How much will you allow him? How much will you give him permission to work in your life? Will you choose that? Will you choose righteousness? Will you choose holiness? And when his righteousness and his holiness comes up against something that you want to do, what will you choose? 
And there's, by the way, there's no such thing. I'll just do it this time. And so we can try to convince ourselves that, well, God knows, and I'll just do this once, and it'll be done. And I'll just, I'll be satisfied with that, and you're lying to yourself. Because we have an enemy. We have an accuser of the brethren. And he'll come and say, well, you did that. And because you did that, God is mad at you. And you might as well just throw in the towel because you're no good from now on. Exactly. You know he's lying because his lips are moving. Verse 29. If you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We're Abraham's seed. Everything that he promised Abraham. What are the, some of the things he promised Abraham? He says, go up on the mountain. Look to the north, the south, the east, and west, and all of it you can see is yours. Look to the heavens and the, at night and the stars. And if you can number them, then that's what your, your seed will be. The number of your seed would be. The sand of the sea. All of those things he promised Abraham. Because you walk in righteousness, Abraham, I will keep you. Even in the midst of danger, I will be your shield in your great reward. Let's continue. So we have a family. The kingdom of God gives us courage and is refreshing. Isaiah 41.10 Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged. To look in dismay gaze about in anxiety for I am your God hmm I will strengthen you and help you I will uphold you with my victorious right hand because we walk in the kingdom of God because we're obedient with him we don't need to be afraid What I'm trying to do here today is that righteousness has benefits. We all know about benefits. When we get a new job, we want to know what our benefits are. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, what, what's the salary? But also, what's the benefits? What's the benefit package? Well, I'm going over the benefit package today. Hey, yes, let's do it. Blessed Jesus. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. He promised never to leave us or what? Forsake us. Where you go, he goes. There's not a place that you can go that he's not 
there. See, the Spirit of God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. David said one time, he said, uh, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I go to the mountains, you're there. If I go to the depths of the sea, you're there. Get the picture? He's there. And that was under the old covenant. Blessed be his name. I am your God. I'm your Elohim. I'm the God of creation and the, the God that has mind toward his creation and relationship to his creation. Blessed be his name. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. His victorious right hand. In Isaiah 12, starting at verse 2. Behold, God, that's the word El, the mighty one. He, I like, in the Old Testament, I like knowing who's speaking. And from the perspective that he's speaking. So here he's, El is the mighty one, the almighty one. So he's speaking from, the, from his name that gives his uh, mighty or strength. Behold, God is my salvation, Yeshua, my deliverance, my prosperity, my victory. Hmm. Anybody need any victory? Anybody need any prosperity or deliverance? He's the one. I will trust, be confident, uh, to be bold, be, to be secure. And not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. And he's also become my salvation. Same word, Yeshua. Therefore, with joy, I shall draw waters out of the wells of salvation. With joy. Because he's my victory. He's my protection. I will not be afraid. And the wells of salvation reminded me of John 4.10 with the, uh, when Jesus was in the woman at the well. And she came and you know the story that she came at noon when nobody comes to draw water. Because she, even for Samaria, which was by the Jews, looked down on as being half-breeds because they were Jew and Gentiles married. And they were considered dogs and all sorts of disparaging things. And Jesus says, he said, I must need go to Samaria. Because he had an appointment with a woman that had had five husbands and living with a sixth. I love it. Even the Samaritans didn't have anything to do with her. That's why she came <clears throat> at noon to get water. 
because nobody would be there. You don't draw water in the heat of the day. But here, he's sitting on the well, Jacob's well. I love the fact that a well is sitting on a well. Well, you'll get that sooner or later. He said to her, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew, if he uh, signifies a, a clear and pure mental perception, that's the word Edo, it's if you really understood who's talking to you. I'm asking you now, or myself now, do I really understand who's speaking to me and through me? through you, in you and through you. Do you understand who is speaking, who really is speaking to you? Do we, do we really perceive who he is and that he would speak to us? See, the fact is that he wants to speak to us and he is in fact always speaking. Question is, are we listening? I know I've said that many times, but it just echoes in my heart. He's always speaking into our lives, but are we listening? Are we listening? Do we want to listen? If you knew the gift of God who has said unto you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living waters. Verse 14. But whosoever drink of that water shall be, give him, will never thirst. He said, if you drink of my water, you'll never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him shall, or if you drink of the natural water, you're thirst again. But if you drink of this fountain of water springing up, it should be everlasting, everlasting life. The water which he was speaking really of the Holy Spirit that if you allow him, if you'll draw from that deep well, see, Jacob's well was a deep well. To my understanding, it never really went dry. It was a deep well. So circumstances never changed it. Drought didn't change it. You'll get this sooner or later. The well that we can draw from is beyond, it isn't dependent upon our circumstance. His well is an everlasting well, a well full of everlasting light, a love, life, excuse me, and will always satisfy. And it will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. He brings encouragement. Blessed be his name. Isaiah 43.1 The King of God brings protection and grace. I love this. 
But now, thus saith the Lord, who created, he's speaking to Jacob, who created, who ch chose to create, make, also transform. I love this. Thus saith the Lord, uh, who created you, Jacob. Jacob means supplanter, means crooked. That's his nature. That's the natural man's nature. And I have formed thee, I have fashioned you through, and the word is uh, from the squeezing into shape of, to a mold. I alluded to Romans 12. I said, don't let the world squeeze you into a mold, but be conformed. The word is, the thought is to be squeezed. I know we all love it when God squeezes us, kind of crams us into things. Am I the only one that knows anything about that? And we're, I was reading in Isaiah later on, it says, uh, the lump of clay doesn't tell the, the potter and say, what are you making? How come you're putting this much pressure on me? I'd rather just stay a lump. But he's creating a vessel of good use. A good vessel. And that takes some molding and squeezing. I don't know, how many have ever watched a potter create a, you know, uh, a vase or a vase or a clay pot, whatever? He puts, starts off, and he's, Earl could tell you more about this, but he sticks his thumbs in the middle and keeps turning and applies pressure from the inside and the outside and draws it up and forms it. Ever felt like the Lord is putting pressure on the inside and the outside and saying, what are you doing to me? I'm making you a, a vessel for my pleasure. For his pleasure. My God. He brings protection and grace. Fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you, I have appointed you, I have endowed you by your name. He said, I'm changing you from crooked to a prince of God. That's what the molding does. That's what the shaping does. It changes you from your old nature, which was crooked, into one that is a prince of God, one having favor and authority in God. Hmm. For not for I have redeemed you by your name, I have uh, and called you by your name. You are mine. Verse 2. 
And then when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. Too many times when we go through some deep waters, we forget that he is with us. He's our protection. The waters won't overflow us. They won't drown us because he's there with us. When you go through the deep water, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. That sounds like a whole lot of protection and a whole lot of grace. Well, anybody understand what I'm saying? Verse 13. Verse 13. From eternity to eternity, I am God. He doesn't change. Hallelujah. He doesn't change. No one can snatch you out of my hand. No one can undo, oh God, what I have done. Verse 13, I love this out of the Living Translation. No one can snatch you out of my hand. No one can undo what I have done. I don't know about you. But I take great courage in that. I will not, no one can undo what I have done. That which God has brought forth in your life will not change. It will not, once it has been done by him, Nothing can undo it unless you walk away from it. We're always the missing factor. If we'll hold on to what he's done, it will be ours. See, it can't be undone in our lives unless we walk away from it. Well, yes, it would be. Let's continue here, please. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. <laughs> Isn't that so contrary to us? We worship strength. Strong men, strong personality, strong women, Strong personalities. And Paul, the one who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, says, I'm strong when I'm weak. So he knew the difference between him being strong, which makes God's influence weak, than him allowing and being weak before God and letting God be his strength. See, when we're facing a challenge, we have a decision. 
Do we defend ourselves or do we let God defend us? Well, last time I checked, the Holy Spirit, who is our advocate, our defense lawyer, can do a whole be a lot better job than we can. We have seen that work and know of that for a surety. Hallelujah. My grace is sufficient. My strength, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Knowing my weaknesses and allowing him to come and make things strong. Allowing him to strengthen us in that area. And too many times we like to excuse our weaknesses. Oh, I'm just a man. I'm just a woman. I, I, I'm frailties. And so, and that's, that sounds so very humble and so forth, but it's really blasphemy to him. What it's saying is, what you're saying in that is that, well, my weakness is greater than what God can do to make it strong. Well, and it's also saying is, I want to stay weak in that area. I like that weakness. I like that frailty in me. Because it gives me an excuse. Gives me an excuse. Ephesians 3.16 That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That pretty much takes away our excuses. It gives, brings protection and grace to us. The kingdom of God gives us peace. Isaiah 41, 13. For I hold you by, my right, uh, by your right hand. You, for I hold you by your right hand. I, the Lord your God, and I say that don't be afraid. I'm here to help you. How many know the Lord isn't our enemy? He is our helper. He said, I'm here to help you. But first, before he will help us, we have to ask him for help. We have to admit we need help. That's hard for, some, for a lot of people, to ask God for help. We'd rather tough it out for weeks and months, maybe even years, without asking, admitting the fact that God's the only one that can heal, which is killing us. Heal us of the hurt, heal us of the unforgiveness, heal us of whatever it is. Well, 
promise to help us. In Hebrews 13, verse 5, uh, 5 and 6, in the Amplifies, let your character and moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed, avarice, and lust, and craving for earthly possessions. Hmm. That kind of just nails us all. Yeah, especially this time of year, right. Here, uh, I've got a list for you. Here's my, I want this, 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 and this. And you better get them. And by the way, this one's at Macy's. This one's at, you know, whatever. There's not any Kmart ones in there. Or Walmart ones, by the way. You know. We too often, our mood, well, let me ask you this, this thing. Kind of give you a bellwether here. When you have money, are you in a good mood? Or are you in a bad mood when you don't? Does your mood, is it determined by how much money you have in your pocket? So if our disposition is toward money, or greed, craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with, with your present circumstances and with what you have. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you nor give, uh, give up on you or leave you without um, support. I love that. And then, I, correctly, the Amplified says a triple negative here for emphasis is, I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless or forsake you nor uh, let you down or relax my hold on you. My God. I will Will not, I will not, I will not leave you helpless or forsake you and let you down. My God, relax my hold on you. Surely not. For we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? I just want to flip back to Isaiah 45. And the Lord added this to me this morning. Starting at verse 22. I don't know about you, but I appreciate these promises. 
Isaiah 45, verse 22. Look unto me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God, I am El, I'm the Almighty One, and there is none else. I have sworn by myself. The word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. And unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear or confess. Surely I say, uh, shall one say, in the Lord I have righteousness and strength. Even in him shall men come. And all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. In the Lord shall the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. In the Old Testament, if you see the seed of Abraham, the seed of Israel, that's talking in the New Testament about the New Testament church. The children of God. He has not left them. See, that's, see back in Galatians, it says there's no Jew or Greek male or female he says he doesn't see any of that he looks at us see what we've got to realize is we look and judge people by their appearance God goes right past that appearance and goes into the heart he judges us by our heart not our physical heart but our mind will and emotion what what actually are working, what are we really? That's what he looks at. How do we handle things? How do we deal with things? Also, just flip over to um, Isaiah 46. And just a couple more verses there. Verse um, 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, I am El, the Almighty One, and there is none else. I am God, the Mighty One, the first great cause of everything. I am God, I am Elohim, the God of creation, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. What he has declared shall not be changed. I will have a people that will worship me. I will have a people that I will call by my name, by my nature, by my purpose. Proverbs 16, verse 7. I love this. When a man's way pleases the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. <laughs> you want to be peace, have peace with your enemies? Make your ways, way of your life, please the Lord. If there wasn't any other benefit for righteousness and pleasing him, that one's, that one's the keeper. Yes. He gives us protection. 
It gives us wisdom for all those that walk in holiness and righteousness. We have a lot of promises that he will give unto us and work within us for his glory. Hallelujah. Blessed be his name. I hope this encouraged you this morning. The practicality of the kingdom of God. Again, it's not some mystical, far-off thing. It's a right now, right here, right now kingdom. Wherever the king is, his kingdom is. Where is the king? Right here. So his kingdom is within us. It's not a far off, it's in you. Let's stand, please.